0: Road, how are we doing? You're an outgoing bunch. Hard to get you back. Hey, if I haven't met you, my name's Pastor Mike Lotzer. I'm the lead pastor here, and whether you're joining us online in this service or our early service, glad to worship with you today. It's good to be with you. We're starting a new sermon series called There Will Be Giants, because there always are giants in life. Uh, there have been giants. There are giants that you're facing and fighting now, and there will be giants. It's a series on the life of David and even if you didn't grow up in church, you're, you're probably familiar with King David, the guy who slayed the giant Goliath. But the thing about David's life is it was, that wasn't the first uh, or last giant that he faced. Uh, and we all will go through different things. And so my prayer is that your uh, time in this series here and our time together will be immensely practical and encouraging for you as we uh, fix our eyes on Christ, the ultimate slayer of every giant. We are going to be... In First Samuel, in the Old Testament, uh, I will have the NIV version. where First Samuel 14, 1 through 15. And uh, next week, Pastor Chad will walk us through the text where uh, Goliath falls, where David kills the giant Goliath. That's kind of the center uh, point of the series. But today, in honor of 9-11, I wanted to um, kind of go out of order. And so we're actually reading, not about David, but his best friend, Jonathan. It's a text that... Um, has some parallels with uh, honoring 9-11 that you'll come to see, but let me read this for us. It's a longer chunk of scripture, hang in there here. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod, that's a priestly uh, garment, so he's with the priest. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ehdub, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest, in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. So you get the picture. They're kind of surrounded by the enemy. The enemy has a higher ground. There's cliffs. One was called Bozes, the other Sena. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. What does the armor-bearer say? Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We'll cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrew men are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about a half of an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. This is God's word. What? Quite a scene, quite a story. Jonathan, who is a prince, next in line, his father Saul is the king, is friends with David who is actually meant to be the appointed king and they're constantly fighting with the Philistines. It's pretty hopeless. The chapter before reveals they were short on weapons and the prince and his armor bearer, his squire of sorts, they go looking for a weak point on the front lines and they attack and they end up killing over 20 men and it really changes the tide in the battle. For today, uh, here's my thesis. I think there is a Jonathan type, and I think there is an armor-bearer type in life. A lot of that has to do with your personality. Some of that has to do with just the spiritual gifts that God gave you. Some of that has to do with the need in front of you. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not either a Jonathan or either an armor-bearer. In fact, in 24 hours period of time, you might play both parts in different settings. But as we look at each type and try to pull out of the text what those types are, I want you to consider the question, am I more of a Jonathan in this season? Am I more of an armor bearer in this season or in this relationship? And am I doing a good job being a Jonathan or an armor bearer? So let's jump into it. First, some people are Jonathans. Uh, I want to just read something very briefly Todd Beamer, are you familiar with this name? There's an article that came out yesterday. Let's Roll, Todd Beamer's father on the valiant flight for, fight for Flight 93. His son's last known words have been stamped on fire trucks and police cars, hockey helmets, and the nose of F-16 jets. A Washington State school that has no affiliation to Todd Beamer bears his name and adopted as its motto the phrase he uttered on September 11, 2001, are you guys ready? An air phone operator heard Beamer, a Wheaton College graduate, ask his fellow passengers on United Flight 93 just before they revolted against Al-Qaeda hijackers that morning 20 years ago. It was a call to action, to do the right thing, David Beamer, Todd's father said, and his name, and namely to fight back, to launch this successful counterattack. Todd Beamer is a Jonathan. Todd Beamer embodies what a Jonathan is kind of created and wired up to do, to inspire action in other people, to see something that's not right and say, let's roll. Let's unite towards a righteous fight. And there's a very good chance you're a Jonathan or you, you have a proclivity toward that. And even if you're not, that God will use you at times to tell other people This isn't right. Let's roll. Let's band together. I mean, have you ever thought about it? I mean, two planes caused massive destruction. The Twin Towers were hit. Of course, the Pentagon was hit. But there was a third target. We don't know if it was the Capitol building or the White House, but it would have been one of them. Can you imagine if there wasn't a Jonathan on that plane, a Todd Beamer, and that plane hit its mark? It's hard to calculate, but we could be in a very different world. Sometimes despair can set in when all three targets are hit. As we remember 9-11 and we think about Todd Beamer and all the family members who lost lives and how our worlds are irrevocably different, I know I wouldn't have joined the military if 9-11 didn't happen. I want us to, to personalize it as well, but let's just walk through the text. Jonathan's lead other people to a specific fight on the front lines. That's just verse 1. Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. He didn't tell his dad. He's being very specific. And maybe there's a specific place in the front line that God has drawn you towards or will draw you towards. Jonathans trust God's power even when they don't know the outcome. Pay attention to verse 6 here. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. The Jewish people circumcised themselves as an outward sign of devotion to God. Um, And the non-circumcised men would be Gentiles, in this case Philistines, their, their enemy. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. A logical person would say, there's no way we can take this weak point, this garrison. Yeah, it's weak, but there's 20 guys up there. And there's two of us. And Jonathan was probably an accomplished warrior, but armor bearers typically were like 13 to 15 years old. They're, they're, they're warriors in training. They, they're not yet graduated from basic combat training. They, they're really good at polishing and carrying armor. And so it's not just two against 20-some. It's me and Jonah Meisberger <laughs> versus 20 battle-hardened warriors. And yet he, he says, you know, we serve Yahweh, the God who created and sustains and redeems everything. And, and he can save the logical way by, you know, sheer numerical force, can, the conventional way, but he can also save by few. And I think this is a foreshadowing when you think about salvation in the bigger picture. How many did God save by? One. One, Jesus. So they have this trust, but what's... Fascinating about this text is Jonathan doesn't just have an irrational trust. He, he has a, a grounded biblical trust. That, hey, with, with God, anything's possible. But he counters that with wisdom. They make a wise battle plan before rushing in. Verse 8 to 10, did you notice? He says, all right, armor bearer, here's the deal. If um, they say, hey, stay there, come down to us, this, this is off. If they say, come on up here, like we'll, we'll, we'll give you a, a lesson then let's engage. That will be a sign that God is for us. And so some commentators are saying, it's, is this like a flip of a coin thing? They're just looking for a sign. Most commentators say, no, look, there's strategy in that. Did you hear in the text when they do finally go up, he's crawling with his hands and his legs. What are the odds of beating 20 versus two if they're rushing down at you and you're scaling? a, a bend over there, he's a Wall I mean, you can't climb and fight. And so it's as if Jonathan is saying, you know, we're not just going to throw our lives away with no chance. We're not going to test the Lord in a, in a foolish way. But if they invite us up and actually give us a fair fight up there rather than rushing down upon us, then, then we're going to trust God in a big way. You know, some of you have been hurt by Jonathans who did not make wise plans. They tried to take the wrong hill at the wrong time in the wrong way. Or maybe there was a moral failure. And, and if that's you, I want to, on behalf of the church in general, Big C, say, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. So if, if you're a healthy Jonathan, you're leading people to a specific place, whether that's in church or at school or in, in government or in work or whatever it is, you're leading people to the right fight and then... You're trusting God, even when you don't understand all of the outcome and the details, and you can't see how he's going to do it, and it's two verses 20, but you're also not rushing in foolishly. You're not someone who sees the world, and it's just right or wrong. It's black or white. You've learned to think in nuance. There's best, better, worse. There's shades of, of meaning, and we have to interpret this, and we have to navigate the complexity of life. You're, you're a critical thinker in that sense, and If you're a Jonathan, you're you're a person who will not send your armor bearer to fight on your behalf. He leads from the front. He says, you're with me? Yep, I'm with you, Jonathan. Okay, then follow me. Then follow me. If you're in the Jonathan shopping business, you're looking to support a visionary leader, um, this is kind of a checklist. If you're interviewing somebody at work, And you really want someone who's kind of a getter done type of person, uh, a gal who can really just make it happen, a guy who knows how to take charge and and lead, but in an integrity filled way. You you just say, do you have a history of leading others to wise fights, the right place in the fight? Do you have a deep abiding trust that, that God will provide, even when we don't understand the outcome? And do you have a history of wisdom, making wise plans? And do you lead from the front? Are you the first to show up, the last to leave? Are you willing to sacrifice for other people? You know, one of the Jonathans, I was trying to think of examples here, but one of the Jonathans in my life is Pastor Chad, our spiritual formation pastor. And if you're new or you're visiting, you might not know this, but one year ago in August, Mercy Road merged with a smaller congregation, Cross of Christ Church in Lakeville. It was kind of a merger-adoption partnership model, and how that came about was Chad stepping into a season where he was called to really be a Jonathan. What did that look like? Well, Chad was noticing that the church he had pastored for 12 years uh, was relatively healthy, but it wasn't attracting and growing in the young family demographic like it used to be. There was a lot of mega churches that had kind of moved in right by him and had impressive things for kids and There's lots of reasons for that. It's hard to grow in that demographic in general. But if you lose a little momentum for various reasons, it can be really challenging. And so he was kind of looking ahead, like a wise leader looks ahead and saying, you know, I could just ride this out and retire eventually, and then maybe the church would need to close just due to a lack of momentum. Or, you know, I could be more proactive in that. And so he approached over 20 churches and said, I I don't even know what I'm Proposing, but but some form of partnership because maybe we would be better together, and a lot of churches, unfortunately, and this is a sad thing, are they're not visionary when it comes to partnering. They don't. They, they get a little too concerned about their logo and their ego and their name and their history, and, and I fall into this too sometimes, so I'm not casting the blame. But he he didn't get any open doors, but he didn't give up, and he he. Uh, insisted that, no, the Lord's going to provide, and eventually Mercy Road came into the conversation. And, and he didn't rush into that. We had series and series of meetings and compatibility, and Chad and I got to know each other, and, and he ultimately led from the front. It's a, it's a hard thing to ask your congregation to give up their name, their identity, their building, and come to another place. But he led from the front. He didn't just say, I found a spot for you, see ya. He said, no, I'll come with you, and I'll give up the title lead pastor and become the spiritual formation pastor. I won't preach as much as I used to, but that's okay because Jonathan's lead from the front. They sacrifice him. So I, I just want to thank you for that. Chad, yeah? You can, can thank. But what's cool about that is reality has ripple effects, and when you live into your Jonathan or your armor-bearer identity faithfully— you create fruit that you wouldn't have even seen at the time. And so because Chad did that, because Cross of Christ did that so well, and we were grafted in and now we're better together, that changed the culture here to such an extent that now we don't just have Cross of Christ and Mercy Road becoming one church, and we've always had our Spanish church, Oasis de Vida, but we've also opened the door to Restoration Covenant Church who meets at 5.15 on Sunday. So there's four services meeting here, Every Sunday and every day of the week, almost this place is busy and it's used and there's vibrant ministry happening and that's in part because somebody took the call to be a Jonathan to say, let's roll seriously and they had armor bearers who supported them. Speaking of that, let's turn our attention to the armor bearers, very important. You might even argue more important type of role because there's a lot more armor bearers in the population then there are Jonathans, and when the armor bearers don't live into their identity well, it doesn't matter how good of a Jonathan or God rises up. If you don't have support, it's really hard to take any hill. So what is a Jonathan, or an armor bearer, excuse me? Armor bearers are people who learn to follow trustworthy Jonathans. I'm told in a commentary that there was a relationship, almost like an interview, between a Jonathan and an armor bearer, you know, a, a knight and a squire. They both had to think it was a green light. It wasn't just like, hey, young kid, you're my armor bearer. It was kind of a tryout, like a warrior in training, like an apprentice, but, but the master doesn't just choose the apprentice, the apprentice kind of chooses the master type of deal in this. And so there was a mutual decision. And that's how we all operate, if you think about it. You follow leaders, not because you're forced to, because you're inspired to, because you're led to, because you think that they have the character, the vision, or the qualities that, that you can honestly say, I trust in their leadership, and so now I will be their armor bearer. I'll support them. And as I said, some of you have followed Jonathan's that proved not to be trustworthy because everyone's imperfect, and, and that happens, and, and that should not discourage you. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if you're an armor bearer and you're hearing this, you're the type of person that wants to come along and support a movement and bring your gifts and encourage a Jonathan in any sector of life or work, don't give up on God bringing Jonathans in your life just because you've had a few bad apples or you've had a bad experience with a Jonathan. If you went to the doctor and the doctor didn't do right by you, had a malpractice thing, it would be a foolish thing indeed to conclude that you're never going to receive medical care of any kind because I had a bad experience. Don't forget that the Jonathans on this side of eternity, we're all flawed, but we're following the ultimate Jonathan. That In this series, I hope you noticed this, every time we talk about David, every time we talk about Jonathan, his best friend, every time we talk about an armor bearer, any hero in the story is not the ultimate David or Jonathan or armor bearer, Christ is the ultimate David. Christ is the ultimate armor-bearer. So back to armor-bearers. Some people are armor-bearers, and they learn to follow, identify and follow and support healthy Jonathans. They also never quit, and they never surrender. They're tenacious. Verse 7. I love this line. Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. That's a powerful thing. I've had the privilege to have God raise up armor bearers in my life in ministry, and ministry, and it's been something like that. I just, they've looked at you and they looked at me and said, I, I'm in your corner. I've got your back. I'm with you. I was talking with Tom, who I write sermons with, with, Chad, Tom, pastors in California, and we were kind of lamenting the fact that we're one of the few people in ministry that we went to seminary with in our circle of friends. A lot of them you know, just dropped out and it was easy, easier to be a realtor. Not that you can't be in ministry and be a realtor, that's a calling too, but but they're not preaching or pastoring. And we were wondering out loud together, why is that? And Tom had an observation. He said, I think it's discouragement for a lot of them. I think in light of the sermon we're working on, th- they have lacked some really healthy armor bearers. And that that's part of the deal, right? It, it's easy to just kind of wander away and, you know, yeah, I went through that membership course, but I'm just not that committed because there's just so much other fun stuff to do. Never underestimate the impact of showing up, of encouraging. And I'm not just talking about pastors here. I'm talking about any Jonathan in your life. Could be one in your marriage. Never underestimate the impact of just the ministry of presence, of serving, of volunteering. We're doing the art of neighboring uh, it's an all-church, four-week study. And, and again, the church has no powerful authority over you. We can't make anybody do anything. You can't make me do something. I can't make you do something. So it's not uh, you should you have to, but it is an invitation. If you haven't signed up for the Art of Neighboring, we've got a meal. We've got child care, and it's a, it's a nice study. You can go online. You can scan the QR code on... Uh, your bulletin and sign, sign up, it's free. Why would we do that? Well, in part because as healthy armor bearers for one another, just showing up has a profound effect. As Americans, we're often tempted to not think like this. We're tempted to think more as a consumer, like what, what would be the benefits of doing that for me? Because I'm really kind of concerned about that. And that doesn't sound fun. I don't know, it's kind of early to go to the men's group. I don't know if I can do that. But if you've ever been a Jonathan, a small group leader, uh, someone who's organizing volunteers, a boss, you know what it's like when you have healthy armor bears, and you know what it's like when you have no armor bearers, and you know what it's like when you have half-hearted armor bearers. In this case, we're given a picture of someone that says, I'm with you heart and soul. Armor bearers, they learn how to follow trustworthy Jonathans. That's verse 1. They never quit. They never surrender. And they have the back of the Jonathan they follow. Verse 13 Really fascinating uh, Hebrew is the Old Testament written in Hebrew initially and translated into English here. Um, 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. That's an appropriate translation, killed behind him, but it's kind of a, a, phrase, a neat phrase in Hebrew that essentially means killing back to back. It reminds me of the Avenger movie. Remember the first Avengers, it, like the camera pans around all these guys and they're all got their back. Even Hulk's got his back to everyone, even though his back's really bigger than everyone's. And, and there is something to that. If you've ever been back to back. In the military, we, we use the phrase, I've got your six. I've got your six. When I was in Iraq, uh, my chaplain assistant, uh, his name was Jonathan, ironically. And I didn't share this in the first service, but my dad has a history of coming up to me after the first sermon and and (laughs) altering what I said. He goes, I can't believe you didn't tell that story. Okay, okay, okay. So my chaplain, if if you've met Larry, you can understand. Um, My chaplain assistant, Jonathan, is enlisted, and I'm an officer, and you you can't kind of touch an officer, put hands on an officer, kind of a formal rule. But for chaplain assistants, if they're trying to keep an officer safe because we're non-combatants, we, we don't carry weapons, they can throw you to the ground. And, and he, he said this. We were on a convoy once. He's like, do you know that technically, if your safety is concerned, I can just kind of toss you to the ground, sir? And I was like... I, I said, yeah, I, I do know that, Jonathan." <laughs> so, so jokingly, he'd be like, look out! <laughs> and he just, he'd, he'd just he just kind of half throw me to the ground. I was like, all right, enough, that's fun. But... Um, <laughs> But, but honestly, what I remember the most about Jonathan wasn't his armor-bearer qualities, although that literally kind of was his job description, to keep me safe, to have my back, to protect me, to keep track of my stuff. He, he used to put my body armor together. I actually remember his Jonathan-like qualities more. One day he was walking to chow, to, to lunch, and he saw a soldier with his head down, and, and he just was praying like he was a man of prayer. He would pray a lot, and the soldier kept walking, and it's like 120 degrees, super hot. He, he just felt a word that he needed to check in. He goes back, runs back, taps his soldier. Are you okay? Long story short, he finds out he was on his way to kill himself. He saw the front line of his situation and where he needed to roll out to. And he, he made a plan. He said, I'm going to take you to my chaplain. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take your weapon. And he executed that. And then he got other people involved. In that sense, I was more like his armor bearer. And so what I'm getting at is these are fluid categories. You may be, a, just by personality or spiritual gifting or your job or, or the family you grew up in, you may identify more with one of these. Like, yeah, that guy's totally a Jonathan. He's a visionary leader. But, but if I'm honest, I am lean more Jonathan at work, but at home... You know, my wife's an event planner, so she plans way far out, and she loves to schedule and calendar. It's more often the case that I'm doing the support role of being a Jonathan around calendaring because she's so far out. And so I think we have to, if we're living by the Spirit, get really used to and comfortable with the uncomfortableness of switching back and forth. Sometimes you need to lead and and say, we're going on this date, and I'm going to take you on a date because it feels good when people plan dates And sometimes we need to do the dishes (laughs) because that's an armor-bearer thing to do. And the dishes do not get done with speeches about doing the dishes. So, lastly, I I just want to close with this point that I've already alluded to. Christ, he is the ultimate Jonathan. He's the ultimate armor-bearer. Christ picked the fight that is behind all fights, the fight against sin and death. He trusted the ultimate Jonathan, his heavenly father. He developed with his father, the tri-personal God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, before time, developed the plan to address all the military might and satanic forces of sin and death with the brilliance of weakness and meekness and sacrifice. And he's the ultimate leader of the front lines because he died for you and maybe for some of you that's what you need to hear you can't even figure out which category you belong to because you're discouraged in your relationship with god and oh you're stuck in sin or whatever it is or going through suffering and where are you god if somebody dies for you they like you if somebody dies for you they love you he died for you he's got your back He's the ultimate Jonathan. He's the ultimate armor bearer. We did the blessings for the backpacks and uh, a few years. I think I came up with this uh, these little dog tags to put on the backpacks, in part because my kids are a little smaller than average, and I was afraid they'd get bullied. And I thought, you know, if you put a military dog tag on their backpack, maybe maybe that'll... But, but realistically, <laughs> over the years, we do this every year, I've come to appreciate these because they do remind my kids, and your kids, that we are in a battle, that we do live in a sin-broken world, that there will be giants, but you don't have to live afraid. You're called to the fight. Whether that be as a Jonathan or an armor bearer, you're called and you're equipped for the fight. And, And how are you equipped? Well, I hope my kids, when they face giants, and they will, they'll look down and they'll say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mercy Road Church, and they'll be reminded that there is the ultimate Jonathan, the ultimate armor bearer in their corner. I encourage you to invite friends to this series. I think it'll be very practical. Next week, Pastor Chad will be looking at the text with, with uh, David and Goliath, and each week we'll look at a specific giant, like the giant of honor, the giant of duty, things like that. It's been a, a privilege to worship with you. We're going to close in song here, but first, can I just pray for us? Gracious God, thank you that we can trust in you with all our heart because you love us. For those of us who seem to be wired to lead other people to a specific fight on the front lines in a spiritual battle, would you give, give those people a deeper trust in your power, even when, when they don't know how it's all going to work? Would you give them wisdom to make wise plans before rushing in? And would you give them the courage to lead, not from the rear, but from the front? And for those of us who seem to be a little more wired or are in a season of being an armor bearer, would you, would you help them, help us to, to learn how to follow trustworthy Jonathans, to, to cooperate and work together? Would you help us to never quit and never surrender? Help us to have the back of the Jonathan you call us to in whatever season we're in, whether we're at... Home, work, school, church. We love you, Lord. May this series uh, grow us so that we have a deeper faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.